Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Jai. I'm one of the pastors here at Sorrow Revival Church, Yarrawarra. And it's great to be with you online this morning. We are, I guess we're, we're still in our, our uh, series in Daniel, which is fantastic. And uh, it's, I don't know, I'm finding it really encouraging. And we're about to get into the part of Daniel where we actually kind of stop. Usually we get to chapter 6 and that's it. We don't want to go to chapter 7 onwards because it gets a little bit weird and let's just let's just put it out there. It's a little bit trippy. Uh, it's kind of a bit more, you know, they're called dreams, but they're more nightmares. So I'm looking forward to sharing with you uh, from chapter 7 in a little bit. But uh, while we're still in this COVID situation, we're still kind of moving from place to place, we are thinking as a staff team how we will come out of this uh, what our stages are and our progressions and we'll be looking at that and we'll be taking advice from our Archbishop and from head office as we do that but we'll share more with you as we move on but in the meantime you might we have you know we're in my garage here and we have Nick and Kath and Adam's going to come and read the Bible for us a bit we can't fit everybody in here as much as we would love to uh, so we're going to zoom some people in and we're going to zoom Nikki in now so we'll see how we go with our tech there she is hi Nikki It's good to have you with us. Uh, looks good out the back there. Nice and sunshine, yep. a bit of sunshine. It's good. Sure. If you squint really hard, you can see sunshine, yeah. <laughs> you squint and turn your head sideways. Now, uh, how's things going, Nikki? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's going okay. I think things are kind of changing. Luke has gone back to school full-time. The, uh, the girls go back full-time on Monday. So just um, slowly, but it doesn't feel slowly, working our way out of COVID life. Fantastic. Uh, so are you celebrating the kids going back to school or are you going to miss that? Um, uh, a, bit, a bit of both, really. Um, yeah, I've enjoyed having them here, but um, equally I'll enjoy that they're, they're, they want to. Oh, except Tara. Tara prefers a homeschooling experience. Um, Alana can't get out the door fast enough to go to school. So, yeah, I guess they're happy about it, so I'm happy about it. Oh, that's cool. Now, um, with Luca going back to school, it means that your morning walking routine and dancing and, and kind of trying to bring a little bit of uh, joy to people's mornings, uh, your cameraman Luca's <laughs> at school, so it's been a bit tricky. It has been a bit tricky. I've had to learn how to self-tape. So I usually am at the Oval, but now I've had to be down the end of my street and one of my neighbours has a weird letterbox that I can put the phone on and I really just have to look out because, you know, my neighbours know what I'm like, but I don't want them to fully know what I'm like and so I kind of have to, you know, dance but look out for them and then try and act normal or as normal as I can act. So, yes, it's been a challenging week in terms of the dance walk experience. Have you have you uh, have you been caught like have you had to kind of like doing the dance and just try to act all cool like nothing's happening? Has that happened yet? No, no, I haven't yet. But I did Friday. So Friday is my dress up day. I did have to do Fridays in the garage um, because it involves power tools. Um, so I did have to do that in the garage. Kind of fair enough. It was a bit wet too, so that's you know probably not too bad. Yeah, because I was going to try and catch up with you on Friday and do the walk with you. Uh, Christine was saying, oh, she's going to make you do the dance. I'm like, no, I'm going to stand firm. So 
I'm probably kind of glad that I didn't turn up. Um, I probably would have to film you. Yeah, you probably would have. Yeah, to, yeah. so no, probably. I don't, I don't force anyone to dance. That's of their own volition. No, fair enough, fair enough. Well, it's uh, it's great having you with us again. Uh, I'm going to throw to you to uh, to lead us in a time of prayer. So thanks. Father, we thank you for the time this morning to give you our thanks and praise. Thank you, Lord, for this time to study your word, the Bible. Thank you for the book of Daniel and the way it has been faithfully taught to us by our church leaders. Thank you for your words of encouragement, admonishment and comfort that your word brings to us. Thank you that we have the freedom to read your word in our own language, the freedom to meet and learn from your word, even virtually, and we can speak freely about your love and grace to, to us, to those around us, without fear of persecution. We pray for our brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, who do not share the same freedom. Be with them. Keep them strong and faithful in the face of day-to-day -day adversity, persecution, and even death. Hold them firm in their faith and surround them with your love. We pray for our church family, Lord. We thank you for the many ways in which we are, con we are able to continue to meet together in these COVID times. We thank you for the serv many services, community groups and youth meetings that occur each week, for the creative ways that we are able to meet with each other and enjoy our fellowship. While we may be socially distant, thank you for keeping us spiritually close. We thank you for the teams of people who have gone above and beyond their usual jobs and comfort zones so that we can be still connected as your people. Lord, we pray for those who are known or unknown to us who are sick, struggling or grieving at this time. Hold them close, Lord. May they feel your healing strength and love during these particularly trying and isolated times. Give them rest amongst their chaos and help us, Lord, as a community to love and support our brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray for all our essential workers who are at the front line of this pandemic fight. Keep them safe, Lord. Give them strength during times when they are weakened. Give them joy during times of sadness and give them hope when it seems hopeless. Help us as a community to support those we know who are essential workers at this time. And finally, Lord, we thank you for Jesus, who changes everything, our Redeemer and hope. We thank you for his teaching, for his perfect example of how to live as a follower of you, for his death and resurrection on the cross, and for the forgiveness of our sins. And because of this sacrifice, we can bring all our requests and prayers to you this morning. Amen. Sorry, the reading this morning comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, beginning at verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dreams. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven, churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. 
The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on, its, on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch, because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Uh, thank you, Adam. That was um, well read. And it's a scary, gruesome kind of picture that we have here in Daniel chapter 7. And uh, as I said earlier... This is, I guess, if you were going to, if you're thinking through, uh, I don't know, various images that would scare you at night, this is, these images are pretty good at doing that. They are the, these really is, this is not really a dream that Daniel has, it's really more of a nightmare. And I guess as we, as we look at this chapter, as I said earlier, it's a chapter that we would rather not read because it, it's scary, it, it, it terrifies us. And more than that, we, we actually don't really, we struggle to really know what to do with it. I'm hoping that today in the little time that we have to actually just meditate on the word and actually 
look at what is actually being said. What, what is the focus of Daniel 7? Is it these four beasts and these ten horns and this little horn that grows up or is it something else? And so I'm hoping that we will uh, be able to be encouraged by the, the message, the focus of chapter 7 and see that, yes, it's terrifying and scary, but we can actually find meaning and purpose. And this is extremely helpful for us as all of God's word is. So let me pray for us as we do that. So let me pray. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word and the time that we have now to spend meditating on your word. We pray that through your spirit that you would equip us, you would teach us and train us. Father, you would give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to understand. We pray that through your spirit that you would teach us and show us what it is that Daniel 7 has for us, not just for back then, but for us now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when, uh, when we look at Daniel chapter 7, when I first started reading it, I felt like it was almost like the, the beginning of a Star Wars movie. You know the Star Wars movies where the, the credits kind of roll and then there's a big kind of dramatic uh, change as the, as the last words go, whether it's a big, uh, they, I don't know what they call those big starships or whatever those big ones are that fly over top or whatever it might be. I'm going to feel like Daniel 7 starts a little bit like that. Because what we do is we, we get the words rolling. They're only, only short, it's only one verse. And in that one verse, it actually connects the first half of Daniel, the book of Daniel, to the second half. So chapter 7, where chapter 7 really opens the door for the second half of the book of Daniel. And the way that it, it sets this up, the way that it opens the door and connects these two halves is, is in these ways. One is that it's the last of the, the 12 chapters that is actually written in Aramaic, which, if you want to get nerdy, it's the, the language that the Babylonians spoke. And so up until, uh, to the end of this chapter, this is the, the, the language that could have been read and understood by those in Babylon where this is situated. The other thing is that we have, uh, not only is it uh, in terms of language, but also there's a connection in terms of two ways. One is the four beasts are very similar or actually run parallel to what we find in Daniel 2, where Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of a statue that has four parts. So there's a, a direct connection, which we'll touch on in a moment. And the other thing that, uh, that draws us in and connects us is that Daniel also takes us back in time. We see in verse 1 that this dream happened in the first year of King Belshazzar. Now, that puts us in, round about chap in between chapters 4 and 5. And so this chapter, as it opens the door for the, the next half of the book, also connects us and keeps us, uh, I guess, it's the connecting chapter of the first half as well. But as I said, it's like the credits of Star Wars because from here, it is just blow after blow. It's a vivid scenery after another. You can almost imagine a movie starting off this way. It would just be bombarding the senses. So first of all, we have all this, uh, we have this wind coming from the four corners. We have the, the great sea being churned and beasts rising up. We're just bombarded by these images one after the other. Now, it's significant that these beasts are coming out of the water that's been churned by the wind because the sea, or the great sea, was often thought of as the place of chaos and destruction. 
the place, a place where all the most horrible and terrifying beasts would dwell. That's what the ocean, the sea, was often thought of in ancient times. And so it makes sense that these beasts of chaos and destruction rise up out of there. And I would love to spend a whole bunch of time looking at each of these different beasts and describing them and, and helping us to really kind of feel the impact and the weight that is intended to be felt when we read these. So we are, we are meant to be taken into the very heart and mind of Daniel as he saw these things, where his, his soul, his spirit, his mind, his heart are troubled. They are deeply disturbed by what he sees. I would love to do that, but we haven't got time to, to dive too much into it because I really want to focus on what is the main part, what is the focus of chapter 7. So we can get caught up in these beasts and they're terrifying ones like the, the one of the bear. See in verse 5 when he, he saw the second beast, he looked, it looked like a bear and it was raised up on one side, on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouths between its teeth and he was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. See, this, this is amazing. Here's the bear that in its, in its mouth still has the remains of its last victim. And there it's then told to go and do it again. This is a horrible sight. It's terrifying. But with each beast, it gets more and more so. See, the, the next beast, the leopard, that has wings and four heads. Like, like a leopard isn't fast enough already. It's given wings so that there is no hope of outrunning it. There is nowhere where you can go to outrun this leopard. And more so, it's got four heads so there's, it can look in every direction and you can't hide. And then the fourth one is so terrifying, so horrendous, so horrifying that Daniel cannot even liken it to any animal that he knows. So all the other ones, they've kind of, it's, it's like this or it's like that. The fourth one is just beyond comprehension. That is how horrible and terrifying it is. There is no horror movie or sci-fi movie that could do justice to this image of this fourth beast. Because not only is this beast horrifying, but it's got, it's got teeth of iron, it's, it's got claws, it's got ten horns which gives the idea, like in the Bible, a horn is a sign of strength. And with 10, it's just magnified to the ultimate. But more than that, there's another one that rises up, small one, which uproots through them. And then has eyes and mouth and boasts horrible things. And we could easily get caught up in all of this. In fact, I would love to get caught up in all this and talk through it all. But more than that, we, we can also get caught up and just not look at the imagery, but actually try and figure out who each of these beasts are, which kingdom, which nation they are. Who are the horns? Who is this last little horn that grows up to be so powerful and so different from all the others? Now, there are endless books that do this, and there is endless debate over which is right and, what is, and which one isn't. No one seems to be able to agree. The only thing that people are able to agree on is that the first beast, this line that has wings that are then stripped and then is raised up to stand on its back legs like a human, the consensus that 
I guess most, most of the commentators will agree that they're talking about King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians because this is what happens with King Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4 where he is deeply humbled but then he is, and he goes off and lives like a beast, like a wild animal but then his humanity is restored to him and he is raised back up to be king again. In fact, it's very similar to what we find in Daniel 2 and King Nebuchadnezzar's dream that the head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar, is Babylon. And so most agree on that, but from there on, it is hotly debated. Some will say that it, it's Babylon, then it's the, the Median uh, Persian Empire, then the Greeks, and then Romans is this fourth beast. But many others will say otherwise. And then when you get into the Ten Horns, well, then there's just endless possibilities. Because we want to know these things. So that we can be best prepared, don't we? This is what's on, as we read this, I don't know about you, but when I read through this, I was like, who's that? What's this? Who's doing, who have I got to keep an eye out for? Is this this person? Is this horn this person? Is this last horn? Is, is this that person already here or is that nation already here? These are right things. In fact, Daniel, even in the second half of this chapter, which we didn't read, actually asks this. Uh, in verses 15 and 16, he says, I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit. And the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and I asked him the meaning of all this. See, Daniel wants to know what all this is as well. But what follows is very interesting. There is a vagueness that comes from this person that Daniel asks for the meaning of what's taking place. It's a, it's a vagueness that leaves the door open for endless possibilities but also is so vague that it reminds us that we are not to know the time and the events of all things. That we are not to know the time and events when this world will end. We are told that we need to be ready always. And so the point of Daniel 7 is not to give us dates and figures and people and so that we know that at that moment we need to be ready. It's not that at all. The purpose of Daniel 7 is something that happens at the very centre of this chapter. And that is this courtroom where the throne of the, the one who is called the Ancient of Days is seated. In verse 9, that's what we find. And he's clothed with white. Uh, he's, sorry, his clothing was white as snow, showing that purity and that righteousness. And his hair, the hair in his head was white like wool giving not only the idea of purity and righteousness, but also wisdom that comes with age. And more than that, his throne has flaming wheels. And there is a, a river of fire that flows out of it. This is showing us judgment. Often in the Bible, when it talks about a river of fire, it's talking about judgment. Here is the judge sitting in his, on his throne in court, ready to judge. And it doesn't take long for him to get into action. In front of the thousands upon thousands who are, who are attending there, we see that the book is opened. Now, what is this book? This is the book of life. This is the ledger of all that has been done, said, whether that's in public or in private. This book is laid bare. This is, it is open and the ledger is read and judgment is passed down. See, one of the great travesties that we feel in this life is that there is 
those, there are some people who will never get the justice that they deserve. There will be people who will skirt around the system or they will do something else that will mean that they will not get what they rightly deserve. And there'll be others, there'll be some of us who will be so wrong that we won't get the justice that we deserve. What we find here in Daniel 7 is that a time will come where every person will be judged. No one will get away with anything. Judgment will be passed down. Justice will be given by the one who is pure and right and has the wisdom to act justly with order. So that's the, the amazing thing, isn't it? In, in amongst all this chaos of these beasts and the winds and the oceans stirring is this throne, this courtroom, where there is calmness, not chaos. There is peace, not destruction. But we also see that there is something in there that would have been really puzzling for Daniel, and that is that we see that there is one like the Son of Man coming into the, into the screen, in, onto the scene. And for us, it's a bit easier to understand because we've got hindsight. We know the fulfillment of this because when Jesus himself came down from heaven, as a man, referred to himself often as the Son of Man. This Son of Man is someone who takes on the, the humanity of us, is fully human. But we also see that he, is, he rides on the clouds. Look there where he's... Um, I'm going to try and find it. I lost it. We see there that the Son of Man, uh, he, he's coming with the clouds of heaven. So he rides on the cloud. The clouds of heaven is a phrase that is used for, for, for God himself. And so we see here one like the Son of Man, fully human, but also fully God. And he does what no one has ever done before. And that is that he's led into the presence of the Ancient of Days, into God. He's welcomed in and he's given a throne. He's given a kingdom with all power and authority. All that sovereign authority that will go on forever and ever and will not end. And so as Daniel seeks interpretation and understanding of what is going on, the angel remains vague and keeps the focus on the fact that one day all things will be judged. All people will be judged. And for Daniel and those in Babylon who are God's people, this is, this is something that would bring them hope. That's what it was designed for. That's what the vision is for, the dream is for, is to actually give them hope because they are in, a, in the midst of extreme persecution where they are not the ones in power. They have been oppressed, made slaves. They are not, they are not thought of highly. This, this chapter gives them hope that one day, and maybe not in their lifetime, but in the life to come, that there is something to look forward to. Even though they have been stripped of their kingdom and forced to live under a kingdom that is not their own, that they will one day be given a kingdom, a kingdom that will go on forever and ever. The kingdom where the king the Son of Man, Jesus, will reign forever and ever. A place where there will be no more mourning, there will be no more tears, there will be no more sorrow or grief or sickness or chaos or destruction. 
all those things will be done away with and justice will be dealt. The focus of Daniel 7 is this light of hope of what is to come. And the question for us this morning is, are you ready? Are you ready to have the book of your life laid open before the Ancient of Days? Where every, every lustful thought, every self-centered desire, every crude word, every unkind thing, every little thing that you've done, even the things you've done in private will be laid bare and the ledger will be read out for all to hear. Are you ready for that? The only way that we can truly be ready for that time is to have the Son of Man step in and wipe our ledger clean. So when Jesus came down from heaven, fully God, fully man, he came down to take what we owe, to take the debt that we could not pay, to take what we would never, ever be able to repay. Jesus is not only the King of kings, but he is the Saviour, the Redeemer, the one who takes takes us and lifts us up into a position that we do not deserve who gives us a hope that goes beyond what we can see and do in this life gives us a hope where we can say to anyone do your worst as long as I have Jesus that is all I need see our battle Paul says in Ephesians 6 is not against flesh and blood but against the spiritual powers of this darkened world. It is against Satan. That's what Revelation 13 talks about. But what we find is that Daniel has this glimpse of what will come, the glimpse of hope in the future, of the redemption and the salvation that comes through Jesus' death and resurrection. That is the focus. It's not the beasts. It's not the horns. It's not that one little horn. It is not the boastful uh, words that come out, but it is the hope that we have in the Son of Man, the hope that we have in Jesus. It is the word that that Daniel needed to hear and the people back then needed to hear, but it is also the word that we need to hear too because at the moment things feel a bit hopeless and we need that light of hope of what is to come. Yes, we will come out of COVID, But, you know, the story of life is that chaos and destruction and trouble and difficulties always come. How we get through those things is by having our eyes fixed on Jesus. I want to finish with this little story. There was a missionary coming back from his journey over in Africa. And this was back when, before you could fly, you got to places on boat. And as the ship that he was on docked in American, in uh, the New York dock, there was also a celebrity on board. And as they were getting off, the celebrity had all this applause and fanfare. All these people had turned out to welcome this star home, 
this famous person home, but no one had turned up to welcome this missionary home. Not a single person. This missionary had, had built hospitals, had seen many people come to know Jesus, but yet no one seemed to care. This got him down. So well, what was the point? And it was at that point that he realised that he wasn't doing it for the fanfare here. He wasn't doing it for anything here. He was doing it because his eyes were firmly fixed on Jesus. He knew where he was going. And he wanted others to go there with him. And so as he was prepared, he wanted to prepare others. And so I want to encourage us this morning to be prepared for we do not know when that time will come. And we need to be always ready. So let me pray. Dear gracious God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for our time in your word. We pray that you would encourage us and you would help us to fix our eyes firmly on Jesus. That you would help us to be prepared for that day when we stand before you, the Ancient of Days. In the full 100% confidence of what has been done through us, through your Son, the Son of Man, Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings at the top of the page. And you can choose any one you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is OK by Ixa. Thank you.